What? College matters. What? College, college matters. matters. Really? For sure. College matters. Alma, Alma matters. A lot of times students ask me, Athena, does it matter that I have a teacher from a STEM subject, um, you know, science, math, whatever, and a teacher from English, humanities, social sciences, so that I show that contrast? Um, or is it okay that I have two math teachers provide recommendations? Mm -hmm. So my answer is that complementary subjects would be great. So showing that contrast in your ability to excel in a variety of fields, not just one, that is, that's helpful because mm -hmm. in college, you won't just study one thing, you'll study many different things. That was Athena Lau with a college application tip. Hello, I'm your host Venkatraman. This is the eighth segment of our 10 segment podcast series, a guide to build a standout US college application. In today's segment, we want to give you a chance to pause, review, and prepare a plan to get your applications done by the end of the year deadlines. To that end, we'll cover the following. Key takeaways from the past segments on building standout college application. How to get organized. Tips to respond to questions on the college applications. Five things about letters of recommendation and timeline planning. To guide us today, we rejoin the one and only Athena Lau, head mentor at Admission Arbor. Let's get started. So, hey, Athena, welcome back. Uh, Thank we you. Seem be, we seem to be on these segments almost every month. I, <laughs> by design, I guess that I was, yeah. A, yeah, that's part of the plan, I think. Um, but anyway, I think this is a good time. Um, we are in late August. It's a good time to just take a pause and sort of recap what we've covered so far in the previous segments. And maybe you could just highlight some of the key points that we've made and uh, things that you know students need to pay attention to. For sure. I think that if folks have been following along for the past eight months or so, First off, mm -hmm. thank you. Thanks to those listeners. We've come a long way. <laughs> I think the biggest thing to remember out of all of this that you might not hear anywhere else is to remember Spark. So remember that these are the sets of personality traits that if you're able to convey at least two or three of them, maybe all four of them, I'm not sure, but able to convey as much of those uh, traits that spark as possible to colleges throughout your application, you are going to get into a great school. And the reason I say that we should pay attention to that is because a lot of times we focus on the details and specific essays and this or that. But really, when you're done, when you're about to hit submit uh, for your, your application, read through with spark in mind. And if you have this vision of what you're going to present to colleges, then that means you've done well. So by this point in our uh, journey together, you should have some working idea, some idea of what spark you're going to show to your colleges. Um, we've also talked with everyone about essay topics that they uh, 
they might have in mind, how they can approach that process, it should draw from Spark. And you should also have an initial list of schools that you hope to apply to. It's totally okay if you don't have the complete list, if there are one or two schools or three or four that are on the maybe list at this point, but make sure you know which ones are your top choices because you'll wanna know the earliest deadlines and make a strategy for applying to them and plan out accordingly. What should a student be doing now? Um, What are some things they could start prepping for? Yes, the first thing I would say is to open up Excel or spreadsheet, (laughs) Google Sheets, (laughs) whatever your favorite thing is, maybe even Google Docs or your your calendar. Um, And because you need to get organized, that is the very first thing you need to do. So assuming that you have a working vision, you have some essay topics, you have um, some schools you wanna apply to. First, take that list of schools that you want to apply to and look up when the deadlines for their applications are because you'll need to work backwards from those deadlines to understand how much time you need in order to finish essays um, and to get everything together. Uh, I also encourage people to plan around your existing big commitments. So if you know when your upcoming exams are, if you have finals, if you have any competitions or family events or something else in your life that you know is going to happen, um, plan around those so that you don't have to worry or be stressed out during those Mm -hmm. times that you're not able to work on your college applications. If you are applying early action or early decision, those deadlines are usually November 1st or November 15th. If at the time you're hearing this, um, you know, for those of you hearing this, uh, you need to start ASAP. (laughs) (laughs) So don't, don't delay once you finish this, finish the whole podcast first, obviously, but then uh, start figuring this out, opening up your spreadsheets as soon as you can. If you're applying regular decision, those deadlines tend to be in early January through February. Uh, You have a bit more time, but I do not recommend delaying. I still think it's always a great idea to plan out your work and to understand, you know, where, where your crunch times with your other commitments will be. And I've also found, I mean, this is a very U.S. specific reference I'm making, but, you know, for us, we have Christmas and we have New Year's and those tend to be, um, holidays where people are doing things with their families. I'm sure it might be similar in other countries as well. And you have other holidays too, but you want to be done by those times. Um, So if you want to be done in time to enjoy the start of 2022, let's say, then that means you need to start now. So that's the very first thing is getting Mm -hmm. organized with whatever method works best for you. The second thing is to understand how you apply to the school. That might seem really easy, but sometimes we forget that, you know, you need to start the application and figure out which platform it's on. Mm -hmm. So you have the common application, you have the coalition application, you'll be able to see when you search on the admissions websites for the schools you're applying to, which application systems they use. So make accounts on those. Um, I know that other, some schools like Uh, In particular, the University of California system, so Berkeley, UCLA, UC San Diego, et cetera, and uh, Georgetown and MIT, these are examples of schools that have their own unique application systems. Make sure you understand, click through, and know what they're asking for. 
um, in each platform. That way, even if you're not, you know, even if you're only looking through just to see what are their transcript requirements or recommendation requirements, or what are all the essay questions that they're asking, um, you know, here's some biographical information that they ask about my family and I need to figure that out. As long as you have a sense of that now and you compile those questions earlier on, that will save you a lot of hassle later. So it's still progress to just make an account of the platform and start adding school. So I urge everyone to do that ASAP. Finally, uh, you should understand how to get a copy of your transcript and any standardized test scores that you want to share with schools. Often schools need to have those materials by the time you apply. Some schools will accept it after you apply. Some schools don't need official paperwork until you're admitted and you decide to go to their school. So every university is different. Make sure you read their admissions website thoroughly so you know when the deadlines for those materials are. And then talk with your school, go to the College Board website or you know whatever website you're needing to look at to get um, to, to order your test scores and start that process sooner rather than later. Yeah, so I think if you do all these things, um, you will set yourself up for a successful application process. And at the very least, you'll know where everything is on your computer, which is always very helpful, I found. <laughs> no question. Um, um, fabulous. So that's, that's a good set of... Um, tips and instructions for people. Now, you mentioned Common App mm -hmm. and um, maybe um, some pointers about some questions in the, in the Common App that students could about or, you know, maybe consider in a certain way. Yeah, of course. And I think that the tips that I'm about to give, they apply to any application platform that you might be using. Mm -hmm. So, One big, the biggest thing goes back to what I said earlier is answering this question of how do you best represent yourself? And the way that you best represent yourself is through Spark. So if you understand that this is the angle, this is the narrative that you're sharing with schools about what makes you great and what will make you a fantastic contributor to their school, then as you read through whatever application you've written, you'll be able to think, okay, well, have I conveyed that to the best of my ability? If the answer is no, you got to make a few tweaks. But if the answer is yes, then that's good. That's a great feeling to have. Um, in terms of what, uh, you know, a lot of times students ask me, okay, well, should I include this? Should I include that? Um, sometimes there are optional essays or optional spaces to include more information. And students often ask me, okay, do I need to actually write something there? Does optional actually mean required? Um, and that's a great question because sometimes it's, it's not clear. Um, mm -hmm. But in this case, um, optional truly means optional. So you mm -hmm. always want to strike a balance in showing your best self and representing yourself through Spark, making sure that any activities or hobbies or grades or opportunities you've taken advantage of in your high school career, that they all work up to this narrative, this spark narrative that you've created, but mm -hmm. it doesn't mean you need to overshare or repeat something in all the different optional spaces they might give you, um, or just write more and more and more just because 
you think that might help your, your uh, cause. Uh, quality over quantity definitely applies here. So if you think you have something to share about say your background or some activities that you didn't get enough space for in the main activities list, for example, um, or in some other part of your application, then certainly use those optional spaces to provide a bit more information. Um, but sometimes less is better than more. Another question, yeah, yeah. And another question uh, and related to this that students ask is, you know, I have had a lot of certificates from things I participated in and won, et cetera. Should I send those to schools? How do I send them? Um, mm -hmm. Definitely do not send them to schools. Schools do not want those at all. Um, it's really, I mean, it is an honor system in the sense that they're not going to check every single thing you've written and ask for proof of it. Um, but, you know, they're going to see throughout your whole application if what you've talked about makes sense in terms of your essays and activities and the recommendations and how all of those work together. Um, certificates will just be extraneous materials. It'll just be more for them to read. So imagine yourself in the seat of an admissions officer, right? Um, then you have to read a thousand applications, maybe more. If one kid has given you 50 extra certificates that they want you to look at, that doesn't actually provide more information to them, right? And that right. just makes them a little bit more annoyed. So don't be that kid. Don't send more than you actually need to. <laughs> So Athena, one of the things um, I think we haven't talked about in our segments uh, is about letters of recommendation, right? And yeah. uh, so what are some things to consider while uh, trying to get those letters of recommendation? With LORs, there are five key things that you have to remember. So first is how many you need. Second is who they can be from. Third is what they should prioritize in sharing with the school. The fourth thing is who's my counselor and how do I get that recommendation? And the fifth is how will you submit the recommendation? Mm -hmm. So the, for the first question, how many do you need? You'll need anywhere from zero to three. There are some schools like the University of California system that do not allow for any recommendations. So nothing needed there. Other schools will require one to two from, from people who have taught you in an academic setting. So that usually means a teacher from your school. And other schools will uh, allow you to submit a third or fourth recommendation from people who know you outside of school. So that could be someone from an extracurricular setting or um, you know, research, volunteer work, anything like that where you've had a uh, deep engagement. Mm -hmm. For the second question, you know, elaborating more on who they can be from. Um, for the teacher recommendations, for, for recommendations from an academic setting, they really do mean teachers from your school. So think about people who have known you in the past, who have taught you in junior or sophomore year, junior mm -hmm. year, so that third year of high school is usually best because it's right before you're about to apply for university. Um, think about teachers that you have a really strong relationship with and that if you ask them outright, 
hey, I loved your class. Do you think you could write me a strong recommendation for X school that you know they would say, heck yes, yes, I can. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't think that they can do that, then you know either you have to work on your relationship with um, other teachers that you might have had in the past, or you might need a, to provide a refresher of why you enjoyed their class and and you know what you're aiming for now. Or if you have a teacher during your uh, fourth year, your senior year of high school, maybe that can be a way to to build the kind of relationship you need to get a strong academic recommendation for these other recommendations outside of school, I would say that it should be someone who's seen either your leadership or your curiosity and how it plays out in ways that aren't expected outside of class. Um, So I've mentioned research before. If you've been doing some really great scientific research or working in a lab, um, you know, the person who mentored you through that or taught you the process, that could be a good person to ask. If you love music, or if you're on a sports team and you're part of an orchestra, a band, you know, this, your rugby team, whatever, um, maybe your coach or your teacher can speak to that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it could be someone who knows your volunteer work through a nonprofit organization, or if you tutor kids at a middle school, maybe the teacher who you liaise with there can speak to that. Um, as long as it's someone who's not related to you, <laughs> yep. that um, we, they, schools are willing to look at that. Um, so just make sure it's not your uncle, your aunt, or your mom or dad, um, or your sister, or your brother, or whoever. Um, make sure it's not one of those people, and you should be okay. Mm-hmm. In terms of what you should prioritize, so a lot of times, I'll, I'll speak first to the academic recommendations. A lot of times students ask me, Athena, does it matter that I have a teacher from a STEM subject, um, you know, science, math, whatever, and a teacher from English, humanities, social sciences, so that I show that contrast? Um, Or is it okay that I have two math teachers provide recommendations? Mm -hmm. So my answer is that complementary subjects would be great. So showing that contrast and your ability to excel in a variety of fields, not just one, that is, that's helpful. Because Mm -hmm. in college, you won't just study one thing, you'll study many different things. And you'll need to understand how to adapt to a diversity of different ways of thinking um, Mm -hmm. in the classes you take. Um, But if you can't do that, you know, it's okay. The most important part of all of this is enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. This might be a very American thing, um, but recommenders tend to speak in glowing, I would say sometimes even hyperbolic terms about students. Mm -hmm. Um, So what I mean by that is, you know, they'll say, this is the best student I've had in my 20 years of teaching. They were the best in the school. There's no one like them. Amazing. You must have them um, at your school. That kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. I totally understand in different cultures, teachers, the way that you write about others might not be the same way. But Mm -hmm. I think if you're able to share that, um, this American style of writing with your teachers, wherever you're based, right? Um, And if you're able to ask yourself, okay, well, can this teacher speak about me in glowing terms? Do they really know who I am? And and can they talk about what I've done um, and and show as a, that, can they show that I really am someone that this school should have? Um, Then, you know, that's the kind of recommendation you want. If that's mm-hmm. from two math teachers, it's okay. It's not the best, but it's better than having teachers from contrasting subjects that 
cannot really speak in a memorable way about you. Sure. Sure. The fourth recommendation, uh, the fourth question I want to answer is, you know, what about this counselor recommendation? So mm-hmm. in, in the U.S., it's it's really common for school, for high schools to have a uh, hired counselor. So someone who works with students on academic and mental emotional needs. Um, sometimes they even have people who are specifically hired to help with college applications um, for students. So the, this occurs in you know more well-resourced schools in the States. I know that in other countries, they might not, you might not have someone who's in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, so what you'll need to do if that's the case is to ask a school administrator. So someone like the vice principal or the principal, um, you know, whatever is equivalent to those terms at your school, that's the person who will need to fill out this section. Mm-hmm. And so what that involves is they will need to make an account um, on uh, the common application or the coalition application, and they'll need to fill out their, they'll need to fill out what they call a school report. So mm-hmm. this shares information about what your school is like, how many, how many students attend, um, and they'll need to provide more information about, you know, what the general grade point average is and, and you know, what kinds of subjects students tend to take and where you fall in the middle of all of that. Um, so mm-hmm. that's the kind of information that they provide in the counselor rec. Um, and a lot of times this person will also be the main liaison with any universities if they need to speak to the counselor at your school. Um, so I hope that this is um, you know, a good impetus to talk to your principal or your vice principal if you haven't already and you need to find a counselor um, recommender for your application. Um, because they will be essential to this process. And finally, how do you submit recommendations? <laughs> I know that a lot of students ask me, like, where where is the recommender section in the common application, for example? Mm-hmm. Um, so I will speak about the common application in particular. For that, um, you will need to pick the schools that you're applying to, and then within those sections for each school, you'll see a section for recommenders. Mm. You'll need to, um, well, I usually recommend that students waive um, their right to see the recommendation because mm-hmm. that implies that you um, have not looked at it at all and the teacher is writing freely about what they think of you. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing to know, right? Um, mm-hmm. And then once you get past that section, you'll be able to enter your teacher's name, their email address, and uh, their title. So for example, English teacher, math teacher, et cetera. Um, I would say that the email you should use, it should be their professional one. Really try not to use a personal email address if if that's what they give you, um, just because you really wanna show that they have a true connection with the school um, that, for the high school that you say you're from. Um, So Mm -hmm. professional emails are always the best way to go. Um, And so once you click submit, and you submit their names to the common app, then they will get an email with instructions on how to make an account and to upload their recommendation for you. And you'll be able to track um, how many uh, teachers have received the email and have uh, and then have submitted um, their recommendation for you. Um, they'll need to do it before, or they'll need to do it by the time that you, uh, or by the application deadline Mm-hmm. If they need an extra day or two, that's re- really try to avoid that. 
it's incumbent on you as the student to follow up with them and ask them if they need anything. Teachers are really busy people. There might be multiple students asking them for recommendations. So show your proactiveness, show your uh, organizational skills, make sure that a week or two before, you know, if they need anything, um, that you're able to provide that to them, remind them of when the deadlines are, and you'll be fine. Um, I, so if you're able to, to do all of these things, then you will get a great recommendation, I'm sure. Great. So thanks for uh, walking us through those five steps. Okay, so as a student now, um, I'm sort of you know, doing some pre-planning. I'm trying to figure out all these items and things and to-dos that I need to take care of. What's the best way to manage it from an execution point of view, given that I have the next three, four months ahead of me? Yes, um, I, I always say that's better to panic and stress out now rather than later, um, <laughs> because <laughs> at least you have a little more time to extend those feelings out. Um, so I'm, I'm half kidding, but um, in terms of the timeline, so I would say right after you finish this podcast, so within the next week, do what I said in terms of getting organized, getting your spreadsheets, documents and orders, um, make a timeline and you know, make a plan for which school you're going to work on first. Um, and then, uh, and the reason um, you, know, you should think, or some, some tips for thinking about that, um, I would say that often it's good to tackle the hardest thing first. Um, so maybe the school that has the most supplemental essays, um, it might be good to at least take a look at them first, brainstorm mm -hmm. some ideas, and at least get something on the document. Um, and you can come back to it, but you know, at least if you tackle the hardest thing first, it's, it's a good feeling of progress mm -hmm. that you're making. Um, so mm -hmm. that's one strategy. There might be others that work for you, but make a plan, whatever that plan may be. So that, do that within this week. And then by the end of September, make sure you've asked for your letters of recommendation because teachers definitely need time to, to do that. They might ask you, you know, what it is that you, they need to talk about. Um, so you'll need to think through, okay, if I ask my English teacher and my math teacher and my, you know, uh, my music teacher for recommendations, what is, what is it that I loved about their class? And what is it that they, that I think they could say about me if they, mm -hmm. they had to? Um, teachers will really appreciate that information. Hmm. And then you'll also want to make sure you finish at least 90% of your essays, I would say, and most of the application. And um, if you're able to do that, then they'll give you a full month to really look over your application and see if you're conveying that spark quality that we keep repeating here. Um, so yeah, if you're thinking about it, end of September, that's not that far away. So, you know, I would say really think about how you will map out your week to get all of that work done. So that leaves October. Mm -hmm. If you've done all this work, then by October, find, um, or throughout the month of October, find a trusted friend, um, a college counselor, <laughs> whatever you want, a parent, someone to read uh, your essays and your application and to give you some feedback. Mm -hmm. um, it's always good to get another pair of eyes 
Um, you might be scared to share, you know, something that you've written for colleges with another person, but it's always better to get that feedback so that you'll have time to adjust accordingly. If you're applying for financial aid, those run on deadlines pretty similar to the application deadlines. Um, and, you know, they ask for detailed information about your family finances, et cetera. I know there's an upcoming podcast on this as well, but um, make sure you apply for financial aid and take the time to get to collect all of those necessary documents. If you do all this, then by the early action deadlines of November 1st or November 15th, those are the main ones in the U.S., um, you'll be ready and you won't feel stressed and you won't be working until 11.59 p.m., um, when the applications are due and, and feeling that panic. Um, oh, and I guess the very last question that I get from people is, um, you know, when they say something is due 11.59 p.m., what does that actually mean? Um, so that means on the day that is due, so for example, November 1st, when it hits 11.59 p.m. in your time zone, your time zone, not East Coast America or West Coast America or whatever. If it says 11.59 p.m. your time zone, they really mean it. It will, the application will lock on the Common App and you won't be able to access it or change things um, you know, if, you, if you miss the deadline. Um, so be mindful of that. Be mindful of what time things are due um, and avoid any technical issues that are unnecessary. I know that sounds like a lot, but if you start now, if you get organized by this week, you work on the majority of your application by end of September, and then you seek feedback and make small adjustments through October, you're gonna do great. In this segment, we discussed how students can get organized in order to meet the end of the year application submission deadlines. We covered key takeaways from the past segments on building standout college application, how to get organized, tips to respond to questions on the college applications, five things about letters of recommendation, and timeline planning. As mentioned earlier, based on this segment, we have an assignment for students in the 11th grade. You can get our counselors feedback on your assignments. Now, you have to subscribe to get the assignments. It's easy to subscribe. Just email podcast at almamatters.io with the subject line assignments. We will send you an email with instructions on the assignments. As before, here's a great deal for you. Submit your completed assignments before the next segment is published and you'll get a free review by our counselors. So hurry up. This series is for high school students in their 11th grade or 12th grade who plan to apply to U.S. colleges by the end of this year. This series is being created in collaboration with Admissionardo, a U.S.-based college counseling company. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash alma matters to check us out. Thank you again for listening to this podcast. Till we meet again, take care and be safe. Thank you.
College matters. Alma, Alma matters. matters.